0: Hey, uh, I got my water bottle up here. Probably won't use it, but it's like a, it's like a comfort water bottle. It's like my support, like (laughs) item that I just carry with me all the time. Um, Thanks, guys, for reading and Caleb for praying. I really appreciate that because it is just about that we're all just here and just hoping that, and we're like praying and. Not just hoping, but with an expectation that God is going to speak to us individually, whatever it is that He wants to speak to our hearts. And so I just really appreciated that prayer. Um, so if I probably know a lot of the people in here, most people, but if you don't know me, my name's Ian. Um, Nick kind of introduced me a little bit earlier. Uh, i'm I'm really honored to be up here again. so this is the third time I've been up here. We're working through the Psalms of ascent. So if you're kind of new, This is a little bit of a, is like a disruption of the normal rhythm that we do. So the first Sunday of every month, we're going through the Psalms of Ascent. There are 15 of them, and this is the 13th, because there's two after this. So we're almost done. We're like getting through it. We've been going through them for over a year now. So it's been a while, Um, and so this is the, that's just a little background. This is the third one that I've done, and this is actually, it's the longest one, so we were me and like some of the guys that do these we were <laughs> kind of joking that like some of them are a lot shorter. And so it's like it's harder to figure out what you want to talk about. And it's harder to like get a whole sermon out of them. Um, but this one, it's pretty long. But for some reason, it was the hardest one for me to figure out what I wanted to say and when I felt like God would speak to me through it. It, well, it was the hardest for two reasons, because at first I looked at it and I was just like, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Like, I just don't know. And then the second part was that once I started praying about it and thinking about it a little bit, I really felt like God was impressing something on me. But what it was was pretty challenging and just pretty hard. And so, for that reason, it was also, it, it's been a difficult like few weeks working up to this and like being challenged by certain things. And I feel like God has really been speaking to me through it. And so, I've been really grateful for that. And um, lucky you guys, I'm here to hopefully like bring that here and challenge you guys in the same way and so hopefully that's helpful hopefully yeah Joanne's excited um yeah hopefully hopefully it'll be good and just like Kayla was saying that it would speak to you guys and I know already it's been really helpful for me just to look at what God has been saying through this passage um so I'm not going to go over through and read all of it again but because it's pretty long like I said but the as I was reading this kind of the, and I was praying about it, the thing that stuck out to me in this is there's kind of a lot of stuff, a few different sections, and they seem a little bit random. And I'm just kind of a heads up. I'm not just going to go straight through, so I'm not going to explain everything that's going on here. What stuck out to me was that this is a psalm of promises. So there's two big promises here. The first one is from David, and then the second one is from God. And so we'll kind of look at those. Subsequently. And the first promise is in verses two through five. Um, David kind of vowing and speaking out, making this oath that he's going to build a house for the Lord. So that is the temple. That is God's temple, right? Um, I'm just going to read that real quick. He says, Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured. This is from the ESV. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So he's saying, he's basically saying like, I mean, he's, he's you know, it's kind of hyperbole, but he's making these oaths and he's saying like, I'm not going to sleep until I do this thing. So he's very pretty serious about doing it, right? And one of the cool things about the Psalms is that we're able to, get different perspectives on the Psalms, like, because we have these other parts of the Bibles where it talks about either the same things that it's talking about in the Psalm, or if uh, David wrote the Psalm, which he wrote a lot of them, then we can go back and look at different parts of his life and see what was going on while he was writing that. So it's kind of cool. We can cross-reference it a little bit here. Um, And this one, David didn't actually write the Psalm, or at least it doesn't say he did, but he does get a, a shout out here. So he's He's a very very popular guy, David, uh, especially in the psalms um, but so if you go into second Samuel seven and first chronicles twenty two um those they kind of tell a little bit more of the story, and I'm not going to read a bunch of those, but just to kind of summarize in second samuel uh, second Samuel seven, so David kind of has this idea, and he says like well i I live in this palace, right, and god we because they've been moving through um They've been kind of moving through the desert, and he says, like, God has just been in this in this tent. Like, how is it that I live in this palace? God's in this tent. I'm going to build him a temple, right? And Nathan is the kind of prominent prophet at the time. So he goes and he says that to Nathan, and Nathan is like, great, like, kind of does the, like, two thumbs up, like, Sean the Sheep thing of, like, you know, great. That's good. Good to go. Um, but then, actually, that same night, then God comes to Nathan, and he says, Actually, I don't want David to be doing that. And it doesn't really necessarily seem like God is chastising the intention here. Like, he's saying David would necessarily wrong. But he's kind of just saying, like, this, it's not the right time. Like, this is, you're not the person to do this. You're, you aren't who I've planned to do this, right? But then after that, he actually goes on, and he says, so God says to Nathan, And not only is David not going to build my house, he's not going to build my temple, But actually, I'm going to build David a house. And then not only that, but that he's going to raise up David's offspring and that his kingdom will be established forever. So he's kind of going, it kind of gets flipped where like David is kind of saying like, well, actually here, let me, and and this points back to the Psalm. So let me just go ahead and read this too. So like I said, it's kind of cool. You can see it in different books of the Bible, but then you can bring it back into the Psalm as well. So, and this is that second promise that I was talking about. In the psalm, this is verses 11 and 12, um, and it says, The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne, right? So we get that same, that like kind of turnaround of him saying like, actually, you're not going to do this, but this is what I'm going to do for you. And it's even bigger. It's like the house, and it's also going to be this rain that's going to be set up for forever, and I'm sure David didn't know what that was going to look like, right? Like, I'm sure he didn't know what that meant, but we do. I mean, we know that that was Jesus, and it talks about that a little bit in the the Psalm 2, and we'll come back to that, but so this is kind of where I started thinking about it, and I was just like, okay, so we have these two promises, and it's interesting because we say, you know, David comes and says like, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. Like, this is a good thing I want to honor you. This is what I'm going to do. And then God kind of comes back and says, like, no, like, that's not what's going to happen, right? Like, and he doesn't really explain why. He just kind of says, like, nope, that's not going to happen. Like, thanks, but no thanks, David. We're going to do it a different way, right? And so I started thinking about that a little bit, and that's, that's whenever things started to get a little bit harder for me and just kind of challenging to me. And this isn't, like, a new idea. I'm sure a lot of you have kind of wrestled through this or just heard this before. But it's really easy for us to have this idea of what we want to do. And it can be good. Like, it can be something that looks good, and it can be things that God calls us to do. But we kind of latch onto this idea of, like, oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what my life is supposed to look like. Right? (laughs) Veronica's nodding. Um... And but then sometimes God says no, like actually it's going to look like this. And sometimes we don't know necessarily why. You know, sometimes it's something that's just out of our sight, like we just can't see that. But part, of, you know, we're learning to trust God in that. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of um, Landon whenever he talked on Psalms one twenty seven. Uh, the the first verse of that is, "Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain." And Landon talked about that very well, like, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do anything because God's going to build his house, and he's going to do it however he wants, and, like, we don't have any work to do. That's not true. We do have work to do, but at the same time, God is the one who ultimately chooses whether something succeeds or fails. He's the one who is, like, ultimately bringing things about, right? And so we're made to do things, but then at the same time, we're supposed to be joining God in whatever he's doing, and, like, opening up our hearts to that instead of just forcing our specific will, whatever that is. And just kind of a side point here, what's interesting in this story is that in that respect, David doesn't end up building the temple. It doesn't happen. But he does, in, in First Chronicles, it talks about how David made preparations for Solomon, his son, to build the temple he, like, brought together all of these resources. So he, it says, like, like 6 million pounds of gold and 60 million pounds of silver. Like, I can't even imagine what that would look like. That's a ton of stuff. And, and it says, like, wood and rocks and whatever else to use to build a temple. It says he, like, had all this stuff that was beyond, like, you couldn't measure it. That's how much there was. So he did a lot of stuff, right? Like, it's not that he was just sitting there the whole time, but he was listening to God specifically to do the things that God was calling him to be doing. So I thought that was interesting and kind of a tangent there, but as just kind of the idea of like, okay, so we kind of have these things that we want to do. We have these plans and then sometimes God's plans are different and that it turns out, I feel like is really hard for me that it's, it's been really challenging for me just because me specifically, and I apologize. I'm gonna talk a little bit about myself here because I have the mic and I can. Uh, but more so, hopefully that it's actually helpful. Hopefully, I, I'm using it myself as kind of a bad example here, so that hopefully, you know, you guys can either relate to that or just be, or you just be like, oh, that's bad. I don't want to be like that, um, which is totally fine too. But it, it really, it stuck with me and it was like i'm going to have to keep rolling these up apparently the whole time um it really it really was it, it's been like a hard two weeks and it's cool i feel like god has really challenged me and it is like working in my heart and i feel like i'm in a different spot than i was whenever i first started thinking about this whenever god first started putting it on my heart um but yeah it's it's been like a period of having to grow and having to really wrestle with it. Like not just looking at it and being like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. But it really has been a lot of wrestling. And so I kind of want to just give an example of what that looked like in my life, just to make it a little bit less theoretical and a little bit more practical, like a little bit more concrete of what that can look like in, in real life. So for me specifically, like I'm not a planner. I'm like actually really bad at planning, I've realized over the past few years. I, especially long-term planning, I just am not good at it. I'm just focused on kind of whatever is in front of me. And so for me growing up, I was like, well, okay, I I wanna go to school. I like school. I have kind of that sort of mind. I know I wanna do some sort of like engineering type stuff and just get a job and I'll just work it and like, that'll be great. And that that was literally like the only plans that I had pretty much growing up. And it's very loose, but that kind of worked out. God really blessed me in those ways of, like, I really enjoy my job, or, like, I mostly enjoy my job, you know. Sometimes, sometimes not, but most of the time. Um, But kind of in that, there was this assumption that, like, by the time, and there wasn't, again, I wasn't planning this. There wasn't, like, a timeline. But kind of, like, by the time I saw myself getting older, so, like, 30-ish, right? Which I'm about to turn 30 in March. It's like, I kind of assumed I'd probably be married by then, probably have kids. Like, just kind of in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, like, that will happen somewhere along the way. And that has not happened. Like, that, I do not, I'm not married and I do not have kids. Neither of those things are true. And you can speculate, and I will let you do that on your own time, if you so choose. I'm not going to do that here, but a lot of people have, trust me. But, like, that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, that is not why we're here. I think thankfully for everybody. But the the point at the end of the day is, like, if I believe, right, and I think the Bible teaches this. I think you can make a really strong biblical case for this. And there's, there's some gray area here of, like, what's predestined and what we have freedom in and whatever. But I think you can make a really good biblical case that we do have some amount of freedom. We have choices that we make. But then also at the same time, God is omnipotent and he is all powerful, right? So while God doesn't explicitly cause every single thing, he's never out of control of any given situation, right? And that's a big statement to make because it has very big ramifications. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But like I said, I think you can back back that up, kind of those loose terms that I just defined fairly easily, biblically. And so taking that, if God is in control and he is, like, moving things, then generally it's like if I'm following him or if you're following him, kind of none of us are going to do it perfectly, but if we are really choosing and we desire to follow him, then we can kind of assume that we're basically wherever we need to be. Like he has put us, so whatever circumstance you're in, you're there because that's where he wants you essentially, right? Which, like I said, is hard. Sometimes that's good, right? If that is where you feel like you want to be, right? But sometimes you aren't where you feel like you want to be. And if you're not, then you have to wrestle. And this is where a lot of my wrestling came in is like, well, if I don't feel like I'm where I want to be, but this is where I think God wants me to be, then there's a dissonance there. There's a disconnect. And then I, so for me, I had to wrestle with like, well, why am I here then? And like, does God not actually care about me or does God not actually want good things for me? And, and so there's a lot that comes from that. And like I said, like I have my specific examples, but this could be, you know, this could be anything like just, you know, it could be like a job, like you want a job that you don't have, or it could be you want kids, but you can't have kids or like biologically or you know i don't know it could be like anything like you want to play in the nba but you're too short like i don't know it could it could be anything right like it's a lot of things that we want but don't necessarily work out right so it it can be a lot of these things right and so and and i liked what um i was thinking about this just while I was writing this up of like, I really liked what Annie shared a few weeks ago that like God is telling stories and he's telling a story with our lives. And just, it kind of stuck out to me that like he's a good storyteller and good stories. I think in like faith building stories require real stakes. Like they need some buy-in, they need something. And even just with like movies that we watch or books that we read, if you don't feel like there's real stakes, like if you feel like everybody kind of has plot armor it's, you, you don't buy into it. It doesn't feel real, right? And so there's, there's a certain amount of, like, God, and the way that we change is through things that we feel strongly about. Like, that's just true. And that's hard. Like, the reason that we were talking about that when my Annie came up was, like, we were talking about suffering and, like, going through really hard things. And, and, and that can be really hard. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people in this room And I I have stories, personally, I mean, in specific instances of my life where God has shown me, like, you didn't choose this way, but it's actually better. And I know that, like, there are people who feel that way. Like, I know that there are people in this room who feel that way about, like, just their whole lives of, like, this isn't what I would have chosen, but, like, or what I would have picked, but it's good. It's, like, it's really good. And sometimes that's the case, but then sometimes we're kind of in the middle of something, or sometimes it's just... Something that we don't necessarily have insight into. And you're like, well, this isn't what I would have picked. And like, I 100% know why I wouldn't have picked this. <laughs> like, I could tell you exactly why I wouldn't have picked this. <laughs> like, sometimes that's the case too, right? And because that's real life. Like, we're, it just is not true that we're always just completely happy with wherever we are. And so looking at God as all powerful, which is what he says he is, then like, just wrestling through that is I think that's just a part of life I think that's part of like what he calls us to do um and so like I would like to say that I am just totally okay with where I'm at that I've like figured out how to follow God and just like joyfully and faithfully submit to his plans whether they're like what I want or what I would pick but like honestly it's not really true like I I think I'm closer to that and I can like I think I can say I'm closer to that than I was, like, probably two or three weeks ago, which is amazing. I mean, God has really changed my heart through even just putting this together. Um, but I do. Like, I have a lot of fears and doubts, and that's just the way that it is. Like, I, it's just not always as clean as we want it to be, you know, which is— I think that's just part of being human. I think that's the faith-building aspect of it and, like, having to actually believe— But even in that, I was thinking about this, and even just whenever I was really wrestling with it, I felt like I did have hope. Like, I had this, I I had a hope on something bigger. And part of it kind of tying this, tying it back to the psalm, I kind of, like, drifted away, but now I'm, like, trying to drift back a little bit. Coming back to the psalm, like, my hope is based on that he chooses us, right? Not on that we choose him. And in, in that verse 13 it says and th- this was the first verse that really stuck out to me as I was reading this it says for the lord has chosen zion he has desired it for his dwelling place and it's not that we choose him or we say like oh i'm good enough or you know god you're right. I, like you seem like the best way like i'll choose you like like i said there is some aspect of like choice freedom whatever that's it's a gray area it's hard to nail that down but This says and biblically it's like God chooses us. And that's that's a really big thing, is that like we're not the ones choosing him, but he's the one that's choosing us. And that was part of where I had this hope where it's like, okay, well, even if I'm wrestling through this stuff, and even if I feel really like it's hard or I like feel bad about it, I can rest and hope and trust that like he has chosen me and he's bigger. He is all-powerful, and he's good, and he knows what he's doing. So even in those hard things. And I, I was reminded of, um, while I was thinking about that, I don't know if everybody's read Paralandra. It's a C.S. Lewis book. Yeah, I got one over there. Um, I had to get, like, my C.S. Lewis reference in here. Just I think I'm, like, legally obligated to do that, actually. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Uh, But there, it's one of my favorite books, actually. I, I haven't read it in a while, but I really liked it whenever I did read it. And I'm not going to recite the whole plot to you, but there, two characters are talking, and they're kind of talking about experiences, and, like, maybe the experience or the circumstance that God gives is actually better than the one that we wish to have. And that idea has kind of always stuck with me, And it, but... Uh, Kind of uh, like as they're talking about that, they talk about how if we have kind of an expected thing that we want, and then we get something else, like one joy is expected, but another is given, is the way he says it, and that this requires a sort of setting aside. So we have to we have to kind of take what we want, and we have to set that aside in lieu of something better, and that has to be like a conscious choice because they they, they go on and talk about it's it's super interesting. But they talk about how there's this way where we can be so fixated on what we want, the thing and the circumstance, or they're using fruit as an analogy. So, like, the fruit that we want, that we ruin the fruit that is actually given to us. And it's always stuck out to me. It's always, like, just been really impactful that we have that choice to either hold on to these things or just say, like, my life is nothing if I don't have this thing versus just letting go of that and just being happy with whatever it is, whatever fruit God gives us, whenever He chooses to give us. And not only that, but like believing that what He gives us is better. And like knowing that it like He knows better than we do, which is hard to believe sometimes. Um, and I do I wanna come back to this a little bit just because I, I kinda talked about this and I know that this can kind of stick in people's heads sometimes of, like, talking about Lord the Lord choosing Zion or, like, God choosing us. And if you're worried about that, because I, I know at a certain point in my life, if I heard somebody say something like that from a pulpit, like, what if this is technically a pulpit, um, then I would be like, oh, shoot, like, okay, God chooses people, sure, but, like, what if he didn't choose me? What if I'm not one of those? And I, I think, like, biblically, you can make the argument or it just the way that it talks about it is essentially if you want to follow God and you are like actually motivated to follow God, I would just say that he, I think he has chosen you. There's nowhere in the Bible where somebody genuinely wants to follow God and he turns them away. That's just, it just doesn't happen. And so I just kind of wanted to put that in there of like, don't get hung up on the like, did God choose me part? Like if you want to follow him, then I, I personally believe that he has chosen you. You're part of that. Um so that's kind of a another little tangent. But okay, so I kinda wanna recap here a little bit because I know I'm like talking fast and I just have a lot to say and hopefully it's it's not too long, but um I don't want to lose people. So kind of to recap, we have this psalm, we have two promises in that psalm, right? One from a man, one from God. And kind of from that we have this pulling that into more abstract, we have like our plans and then we have God's plans, right? And sometimes they don't match up, and that's hard. And so that's kind of the idea that we're looking at here and that I felt really challenged by in the last couple of weeks. And part of what was so interesting to me about this was just the belief aspect of it. Because if I really believe that God, if God is good and he is all-powerful, and he's chosen me, then like, then what do I have to worry about, right? Like, if that's true, like if your parent or whatever is taking care of you, and you know that they have the power to do that, and you know that they care about you, then you really don't have anything to worry about, right? But the part of that is, that has to be true, okay? But also, you have to believe that that's true, because for it to affect your life, you have to actually believe that true. So, that is true. So, like, if God is good and he's all-powerful and he's working things together, if we don't believe that, that's not going—we're not going to live our lives like that. We're not going to live our lives in a way that's trusting him. And whenever I was—and and we do go through hard things, right? So, like, that, that is definitely—we know that that is the case, like, that we go through difficult things. We We know—and even God says very explicitly— he doesn't just say, I'm going to make your life easy. He, he says it's going to be hard. He says that there are going to be hard things and there's going to be these faith-building experiences that we have to go through. And whenever I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, I, I was reminded of this book that I read a while ago. I really like it. I would recommend it to really anybody. It was this guy named Viktor Frankl, and he was an Austrian um, psychiatrist. And he was in he was in a few of like the kind of like high-profile concentration camps during World War II, so like probably ones that you would have heard of. Like I think he was in Auschwitz for a while, and I can't remember the other ones, but it's ones that probably all of us have heard of. And he wrote after that he wrote this book called *Man's Search for Meaning*, which is it's amazing. It's it's really really interesting. Um, but he's talking about how people can survive, like how prisoners can survive in those circumstances that really were, I mean, like people were just dying every day, like literally just every single day people were were dying. And really in like push to the limits of what humans can endure. And he was looking and could, because he was a psychiatrist and kind of the way that he was surviving was, he would try to detach himself from that and look at like, well, how, like, why is this person surviving, but not this person? And whenever he was thinking about that, he, had this idea that it's really about like the motivations of why people want to survive. That, and those kind of, that's kind of what determines whether those people were surviving or not. And he has this quote from Nietzsche, um, which is, I'm going to read it a couple of times. Cause it's like, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, just the way that's worded, I think is interesting, but it, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. But Nietzsche says he who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. Right. So he who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. So essentially, like if you have a reason to suffer, if you have a reason to live, you have a really strong goal, then you can you can really push through almost anything is what he's saying. And I think that's true. I mean, I think like I read that and I was like, yeah, like that makes sense. I think we see that in all sorts of things, like if we're motivated, like let's say you're motivated to get a certain job, like people go through school for years and years, right? Like I did that not for a super long time, but I had to get an undergrad to do what I wanted to do. Or like doctors have to go through a whole lot of work and like really hard work to get to like their ultimate goal, right? And humans can push through a lot if we have a goal and if we have like a very strong why, of, of um, like motivation of why we wanna do that, right? So then I was thinking about that and it's like why, like what does that look like then? Like kind of with God, we all know, cause if I said like, well, why do you follow God? Like we all kind of give an answer, right? But then we also, none of us do it perfectly and we all have areas where we don't believe fully. And so it's like, what does that actually look like practically? Like we could all just say we need to believe God more, or I need to believe God better, or something like that, right, but at the end of the day, that's not super helpful, because it's just not very practical, and it's not very descriptive, and so whenever I was thinking about this, I was reminded of something that happened to me, uh, I guess last year, probably like about a year and a half ago, um, and Tim, Tim actually told this story, he just, he stole this story from me about a year ago, um, and told it up here, but I'm, I'm stealing it back now, because it was a while ago, and probably nobody remembers it anyways, um, but so I'm driving, I was driving in um, South Dakota, I was on this big road trip with a friend, I convinced one of my friends to go out there with me, and I don't know if you've ever been out to South Dakota, it, it's pretty far away, and there's like, the east side of the state, there's like nothing out there, like it's, it's like driving from here to El Paso, except for almost less, there's, it feels, it's so desolate, there's nothing out there, and so we're driving, and me and my friend are talking, whenever we're listening to music. And, like, as we're kind of talking, I'm looking at the fuel gauge, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, I kind of see it drifting towards empty. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I don't, I don't know if there's a town coming up. And I think, I think that's relatable, right? Like, I feel like we've all kind of been there. Like, I, I want you to, like, tap into that feeling of, like, you're, you're like, because like, I'm sitting there, I'm talking to him, and I don't want to, I'm like, kind of trying to play it cool, because I don't want to be like, oh, we're running out of gas, like, because I kind of dragged him out there, so I don't want him to be freaked out about it, but I also don't want to run out of gas, and so I'm like, listening to him, but I'm also kind of distracted, because I'm thinking about, you know, I'm like, okay, if we did run out of gas, like, what would we do, and trying to figure all that out and everything, and like, so I'm getting pretty nervous, right, because I'm like, oh, shoot, and I have that kind of like, this is where I want you to kind of join in me with this of like I have that sinking feeling in my stomach of just like oh, I've made a huge mistake. Like this is this is I know Charles knows what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, we were talking about that a while ago, running out of gas. But you have that like sinking in your stomach. It's like I've made a huge mistake. This is this is bad. But then so all of a sudden like I'm feeling that I'm feeling that anxiety that nervousness and then all of a sudden. I'm driving and then like we come up over hill and there's a billboard there, right? And it says whatever, like gas like 10 miles or whatever, there's gonna be a gas station. And as soon as I saw that, I like viscerally relaxed. Like everything, in, I like emotionally, mentally, like everything, I was just like, oh, okay. Like physically, I didn't feel what, that anxiety anymore. I was just like, oh, okay, there's going to be a gas station. I know I have enough gas to make it 10 miles. I'm good. Like, and and literally it was, it just took like that instant of me seeing that sign. I was like, I'm totally, totally fine now. I'm totally good. But it's funny because nothing actually changed about my circumstance. Like the gas station was still at the same place. I still had the same amount of gas, but all that changed was that I got some new information and I, and it just like, Changed the way that I saw my reality and it changed the way that I was seeing the world and it changed the way I was seeing my circumstances, right? But my circumstances didn't change at all. And so and that's to me is like that's a picture of belief. Like that's what belief looks like. And like it has a lot of power in the way that we live, right? And as I was thinking about that, because I was driving for a long time, I had a lot of time to think about it. I was like, man, that is that's believing in God right there. Like we have these opportunities to look at the signs that God gives us. And that can be a lot of things, right? I mean, it's like that can just be straight up the Bible, like the promises that he gives us in the Bible. Or that can be like through other people or even just through like prayer and worship. Like sometimes he just gives us things specifically. But that he does speak to us and he gives us those signs, right? and and I'm using signs not in like a metaphysical, like spiritual sense, but but as the analogy, like like a billboard essentially. And then it's just up to us. Are we actually going to believe that? And am I going to live that way? Or am I going to continue to be anxious and continue to be like, oh, but like, because even after I saw that sign, if I'm driving, I could be like, oh, well, you know, I I know I saw that sign and I should have enough gas to make it 10 miles. But like, What if my fuel gauge is broken or like what if i get there and they're out of gas or you know whatever it's like you can always come up with stuff to be anxious about and like those things could happen sure but i mean it's like if at at the end of the day you kind of just need to actually believe what reality is right like because normally whenever there's a billboard And it says there's going to be a gas station. It's the middle of the day. It's like there's normally going to be gas there, right? And that's uh, that's uh, I kind of want to like put that same line of thinking on God. It's like if we have trusted at God in God in different points of our lives and He's come through, then that should build our faith. And like we should just continue to look at the things that He's doing, like that sign of like, oh, He says like before He's like we've either trusted in promises and He's come through or Like, I've known something was going to kind of happen. Like, I knew that this was the right thing to do, and so I did it, and it's worked out. And so now we can look at that, and we can look at these other things that we feel like God is calling us to do, and then just trust that, and just actually live like that, and live without that anxiety, right? And so part of that for me was just, it's like reading Matthew, at the end of Matthew 6, where it talks about, well, I'll, I'll just read it. It says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so then it's like, because again, it's like it's easy to kind of talk about in this theoretical sense, but he's literally saying, look, like, I know you have to eat things. Like, I know you have to wear things. I know you have to have a house. Like, I know you have to have somewhere to live. Like, and I know you need community. You know, like, I know that, like, you need to provide for yourself all this stuff. Or, like, somehow you need to get food on the table. But he's saying, look, like, I know you need those things. But if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Like, I'll take care of all those things. And so that's kind of, like, the billboard, right? Like that's, that's one, if that's the sort of stuff that you're worried about or like that I'm worried about, that's the billboard. That's like the thing that he's putting up and saying like, okay, I've already told you I'm going to take care of this. Like the gas is going to be there. Are you just, are you going to believe that it's there? And that's like, that's what I was struggling with is just like, man, I don't know that I believe that God is going to take care of me even like in this specific verse, but there's, there's a ton of verses that speak to different promises that God has made and i've seen those come true but i and sometimes it's really hard to actually trust that and i was thinking too so it's like that's like the billboard or in james we just read this it's like looking in the mirror and then just going away and immediately forgetting what you look like right it's just like it's like okay yeah god i know you said that but like as soon as i am out in the real world you know with like yeah, that makes sense, like, in church or whatever, but, like, not with my job. Like, my job is different. Like, you can't control what happens at my job or, or whatever, you know, and it's, that's, but that is exactly what he's calling us to do, and that's exactly what he says he's going to take, that he is going to take care of us in, is, like, all of those things, right? It's it's not just, like, the, the church stuff or whatever, the things that ex- seem explicitly spiritual. And so... The main point, if I kind of want to like sum up a lot of that line of thinking, is summed up really well in Proverbs 16, 9, which says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So like we make plans, like we have ideas, we rush around, we do things, we work, and like that's good, we were made to do all that, and God wants us to be active and to do things and to create things, but at the end of the day, he's over all of it, right? And in like, he and if we can trust that he's good and that he's over all of it and we can believe him like then we have kind of this escape or like a just a way out of like that anxiety that is i mean it is very normal it's very human i guess i would say to have anxiety or to like be anxious about those things but God, like God loves us and He cares about us, and part of what He's providing is a way out of that. Part of what He's providing is a way to not feel anxious. Like He's saying, like, look, I'm gonna take care of you in these things. Because again, it's it's not just about whether He's going to do that, it's about whether we're going to believe that He's going to do that. Because that changes your life. I mean, like I said, like in that uh, Victor Frankel book, he talks about people would literally die because they didn't believe that they were ever gonna get out. Like they had no hope. And once they had no hope, they, they would just straight up die because they just didn't have anything else to live for. But the people who had hope, the people who had families that they knew were waiting for them, they were able to survive these horrific circumstances. And, and so that belief, like those things change. We need to believe in things that are true, but also like those things change us, the way that we believe and what we believe in. Um, and sometimes just kind of, I've been saying this but like sometimes that doesn't mean it's going to feel good all the time right that doesn't mean that it's always going to feel easy and I I know I'm getting to the end of my notes here because I just wrote there's good pain or there's bad pain but then there's also good pain something something exercise analogy which is just you know whatever it's like we if it's funny if we didn't have memory or like if we didn't know what we were able to do like nobody would ever work out like why would you because it's like oh this this hurts like this is bad like which is still kind of how I feel about it anyways but we wouldn't right because it just in that moment doing something hard or like lifting something that is difficult it just hurts it's it feels, it makes you feel pain and it's hard but the reason that people do that and the reason that we work out is because we know, we have this, like, kind of prior knowledge that we know that it's good for us, right? And so kind of the same thing with God. You can just, you can apply that same of, like, just because circumstances are hard or things are painful doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. It just means that, like, they're growing you, or it can mean that they're growing you, right? And and so, yeah, just, like, some of the promises, like, when he says, like, I know you need food and clothing, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you, right? Or... Like, I just picked out a bunch of them, like, blessed are the meek, right? For they will inherit the earth. That's a lot of faith there because that's where saying, well, like, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to humble myself and I'm not going to proudly take the things and build up my own kingdom. But that's a lot of trust. Like, you have to believe that because if he doesn't look out for you and you're being humble, then, like, who is going to look out for you, right? Like, we're being humble and having humility is trusting that God is going to look out for you, Right. Um, or whenever he says, like, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? Just all of these things, and there's, there's a ton of verses that speak to this. So I just kind of pulled out a couple, but, like, if we actually believe those things, that's going to change us, and that's going to change the way that we live, and if we can believe those the same way that we believe billboards, it's, like, how much would that change our lives if we just read something in the Bible? And I, I know it's not easy. I I personally have felt it's not easy, but it's it's interesting, right? Like if we believe those as much as we believed any road sign that we see, it's like how much would our lives change? How much less anxiety could we have, or just like less anxiousness and worry could we have? You know, how much how much better would that be? And I really liked David. So in uh, this is in Second Samuel again. I really liked David's response, and like David wasn't perfect. I mean, we have accounts of him not being perfect, in very like explicit ways, and we have that with like pretty much every biblical figure, right? Which like, I'm really grateful that God gave us that, that He shows us that these are just normal people, right? But in this particular circumstance with this particular experience he has a really good response because he basically just like he had this plan he was like I'm going to build you a temple God and God basically just came back and said like no actually you're not and basically just kind of shut his like shut him down right he just said like actually no this is a good thing that you want to do but actually you're not going to do it right and so David could kind of say like I mean there's a lot of things that he could come back with if he was being very prideful he could say well like well why not like this is a good thing. Why don't you want this to happen? Is somebody else better than me? Like, you know, there's just all sorts of things that the human heart can come up with. But in verse 18 of Second Samuel 7, it just says, like, directly after David said, or God says, like, you're not going to build my house. Actually, I'm going to do it this way. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And I just, I, like, really, I was, I really love that response. But I was really challenged by it, too, because, like, first of all, it's very, like, Job of him. Like, it's very humbling, and I think it was, and he's not saying of, like, oh, like, who am I? Like, I don't think he's saying in this despairing sort of way. I think he's just really saying it in a humble way of, like, man, God, I can't believe that you are blessing me, like, this much, like, who am I that you would do that? And I think we can all relate to that, right? Like none of us, and he was a king, right? Like he was a very powerful man on earth. I don't think anybody is a king in here, (laughs) at least as far as I know. And, but just like the humility there. And for me, that answer really challenged like the sense of entitlement that I realized that I had because he's just saying, I'm so thankful for what you have already given me and what you've promised to give me. And I know that there are things in my life where I could say like, man, I'm really thankful for these things that I have and what you've given me. And I just, even that is so much more than I deserve or like so much more than I could really reasonably ask for, you know, but, but a lot of times I'm not like that. And I'm looking at this other things where it's like, okay, those things are great, but like, I want this or like, this is how I want my life to be. Right. And I just, I, so I love that response and just the humility there. And so it kind of in closing, I want to make it clear that this isn't just a sermon of like, okay, so now you look at all the ways that you're not trusting God and feel bad about him, right? Like that's not that's not what this is supposed to be. I really trust, like I genuinely trust that I, I think a lot of people in this room are like, to the best of our ability, I think there are a lot of people that are, trusting God and like are going along with his plan in that and so like it's not just oh look at your life and see where you're not trusting God and then you know go fix that or whatever it's more about like what I want it to be is just a reminder that God makes promises right he's made a lot of promises like I said that can come in a lot of different ways but like I mean if you want to know God's promises just read the Bible like that would be like number one way I would say And then, like, through community and be a part of, like, godly community is a big part of that as well. And, like, and he keeps those promises, right? So, it's, like, God makes promises and he keeps those promises. And, like, what he promised to David countless years ago and countless years before Jesus was born, right, he promised David that David's son would reign forever. And, like, thank God, like, he did that. Like, he brought that about. And, like, David didn't know what that was going to mean. I mean, David was long, long, long dead, before Jesus came around right and so like David didn't even know what all he was hearing like he didn't understand it the way that we understand it but that's okay because he was trusting that God was going to do something good like he didn't have to understand exactly why right and so just as we're going to have a response time And if you remember anything from this, or if it's just, if you think of this at all during the week, this is kind of what I want you, or like, I would like you to remember, is just like, if during this response time and later, like, if you just take some time, and this is part of what I did, and I feel like what really was impactful for me, and it was challenging, I mean, it was like a lot of wrestling through stuff, was just kind of sitting and listening to the Spirit and just thinking about His promises, So, like, the promises that God already has made, and those might be promises that, you know, he brings up, and you, like, feel conviction of, like, man, I'm not believing that right now. Like, I should be believing that, but I'm not, right? But it also, it could be promises that, like, you believe, like, even just um, at the end of Matthew 6, where it was talking about that, like, maybe you have kind of, you know, just— been seeking first like the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you've seen how God has provided those other things you see how he's given you those things right and that's just a way to be able to think back and to glorify God in that right and so whatever it is i just kind of want to leave that there like that's the main point that i want to make is like God has made us a lot of promises but if we don't think about them if we don't look back on them like in do De- i think it's like Deuteronomy 12 or 11 or something He's just talking about, like, you have to talk about this stuff. Like, all these things that I've given you, like, hang them up in your house. Like, talk about them as you're walking around. Talk about them as you're eating. Teach them to your children. Like, we have to be thinking about these things, and we have to actually be believing them. Otherwise, like, that, that's really all that he requires of us, and all he asks of us is to actually believe those things. But part of that belief is, I think, reminding ourselves about that and thinking about them and then reminding other people about them. And so that's what, that's just what I would ask like you to do here. And what has been really helpful for me is just thinking about those promises and what that actually looks like in my life, right? So like, and then just kind of pulling that back to like, those are the signs and it's like, are we actually going to believe those or not, right? And and hopefully in like my hope and my prayer Is that, like, I would get there and that all of us collectively as a church body and, like, as a family would get there. Where like, whenever we are, whenever we see those promises, just like David, that we would say, like, whether it's kind of what we want or it's something else, that we would just say, like, man, who am I, God, that you have done so much for me already? Like, this is so amazing and I'm just excited to see what else you're going to do. So that's kind of, like, my prayer. Like, that's what I that that's that's what i want for all of us that's what i want for myself and that's what i want for all of us here um yeah so that that's all i've got so i'm i'm going to pray god um i am just i'm really thankful one just that you choose us that it's not something that we have to be good enough or it's not something that we have to make the right calls or like we have to live We don't have to like walk the correct path all the time or feel like we're just like walking on a knife's edge all the time. But ultimately we have safety because you're the one that has chosen us and you are patient and you are loving. But then also in that God, I'm just really thankful that you have given us promises and that you do come through. Like you are good. And I think if a lot of us think about it, we can all remember times where you have fulfilled those promises and you have come through for us in different ways, and God, I'm really just thankful for that, Um, but I, I also just pray that you would give us whatever we need to be able to wrestle through those things, because a lot of times we can have hard hearts, and we have hearts that